let's pray as we come to God's word. Let's pray. Father God, thank you uh, for the privilege of looking into your word. Father, thank you uh, for the psalm that we have before us this morning. And Father, pray that you would speak to us as your word is opened. And Father, pray that you might change us to make us more into the likeness of your son. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. What are you afraid of? What are you afraid of? I don't mean that by afraid like, you know, spiders and snakes. I'm sure there are lots of different people who have uh, phobias of those things. But I mean, what makes you stay awake at night? What makes your hairs uh, go grey? Perhaps it's something in the future. Perhaps fear of loss of independence, fear of being alone. Perhaps fear of death in the future. Perhaps it's not something in the future that scares you. Perhaps it's something in the past. Fear of something that you've done in the past that will catch up with you. Uh, catch up with you. Fear of something that you've said. Perhaps it's fear of a person. Someone who can hurt or harm you in some way. Someone who can belittle you with just a word or a gesture. Perhaps it's answering that question with yourself. What makes you afraid? Perhaps that makes you afraid as well. All of us have fears. Fears that we don't talk about, fears that we don't voice. And David here in this psalm helps us find a voice for our fears. David in this psalm, as he writes it, is afraid. And it's not hard to see why. The context of the psalm is 1 Samuel. If you see on the back of your notice sheet, there's 1 Samuel uh, 21, 10 uh, to 15. This is the context of the psalm that the the, uh, top of the psalm tells us. And David rose and fled that day from Saul and went to Ashish, the king of Gath. And the servants of Ashish said to him, Is this uh, not David, the king of the land? Did they not sing to one another of him in dances? Saul has struck down his thousands and David his ten thousands. And David took these words to heart and was much afraid of Ashish, the king of Gath. Do you see there, David has run away uh, to Gath. And he's, just, he's afraid. He's afraid he's going to be found out. He was really their enemy. But he was hiding out amongst them. He fears the future. What will happen? He fears a powerful force. He fears a man. And in that context, he writes this psalm. Now, our psalm has two choruses uh, that go through it. And uh, we're going to use those to think about the psalm. The first part of it is, I shall not be afraid. I shall not be Afraid, Because David does get afraid, doesn't he? Have a look at verse 3. When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. David is actually saying that he gets scared. Now there's a school of thought, isn't there, that Christians, that believers should never be afraid. That we should never be scared. But actually that's not the the teaching of scripture. Scripture says that we have no reason to be afraid. But it acknowledges that we do fear. And it teaches that believers do get afraid. It's the same, interestingly, with anxiety, uh, with worry. So think about it in, in Philippians, in the same letter where the Apostle Paul tells us not to be anxious, he also tells us that he's anxious about Epaphroditus. It acknowledges that we experience these emotions. It's not like we're supposed to not have any emotions in these areas. David here is afraid. And the statement that he makes in the chorus is that he shall not be afraid. Do you notice? He's not saying that he's not afraid. He's saying in the future, there's a hope, there's a faith to it. I shall not be afraid. 
Because he's afraid now, isn't he? And in this psalm, he's partly talking to himself, telling himself that he has no reason to be afraid. He's preaching to himself reasons not to fear. It's a bit like, I don't know if you've ever heard that Yorkshire phrase that I, I grew up with. My grandma used to uh, say it to us quite a lot. Uh, have a word with your son. You come across that? Probably have a word with yourself would probably how you'd be trans- translate it. But that's what David's doing in the psalm. He's speaking to himself. He's giving himself reasons not to fear. But he is afraid. But he has reason to be afraid, doesn't he? A lot of our fears really can seem quite trivial compared to what David is facing. He's being stalked by an enemy. Have a look again at verses 5 and 6. All day long they injure my cause. All their thoughts are against me for evil. They stir up strife. They lurk. They watch my steps as they have waited for my life. You see, in the context of what David's doing, he's hiding out with the Philistines. And the only way he actually finds to escape, if you read the story later on, is he pretends to be insane. He pretends that he's gone mad and couldn't possibly be the great King David. And he actually manages to fool the king of the Philistines that he's not uh, David. Now, whether that's a good idea or a bad idea, we're not told. But it works. But think of David in that context. He's pretended that he's mad and he's amongst the Philistines who want to kill King David. He's going to be watched at all times, isn't he? He's going to be suspected. One false move, and it's curtains for David. They're watching, waiting for him to make a mistake. It's a bit like the closest I could think of it in my life, it shows how how sad my life is in a way, was my driving test. Uh, Most of us here, I think, have been through that that ordeal uh, of a driving test. And you know what happens, so you get in there and you've got to make sure that you're checking mirrors, you've got to make sure that you're, you're in the right gear, and you're being watched all the time. And they've got that tick list, haven't they, waiting for you to make a mistake. And you can only make so many mistakes, and you don't know which ticks they put in which boxes. Is it going to be serious? Could you imagine if your life depended on something like that, being watched all the time? That's the situation that David is in. His life hangs in the balance. And yet David is still able to write verse 3. When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. So even though David's come up with this clever plan, he's not trusting in that clever plan. David's not trusting in his acting skills. David is trusting in God. He says it there in verse 4. In God, whose word I praise, in God I trust. I shall not be afraid. What can flesh do to me? And there are two reasons in the psalm that David gives that he can write that. He knows that he can trust in God because of what God is like. And he knows that he can trust in God because of what man is like in comparison. And they're going to form our our two other points this morning. So he can trust in God because of the person that God is. In God I trust, whose word I praise. It's because of what God is like that David knows he needn't fear. So it's like David saying, I, I feel the fear. You ever read that book, Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway? He's sort of saying, I feel the fear, but I'm going to trust him anyway. So what do we find out about God in this psalm? Well, some amazing things, don't we? Look down at verse 8. You have count, kept count of my tossings. You put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your book? Do you see the amazing picture that's given here? 
God counts our tears. The image is of, is of God storing them in a little bottle. Not one of them will be wasted. Not one of them will be missed or forgotten. Every tear of sadness, every tear of fear that you have shed in your life, God knows about. When you weren't sure whether your child would live or die, when you were running away from that person who scared you, when you were just overwhelmed in the situation, God was there, counting your tears, storing them away. And it's more than just knowing how many tears you've counted as though it's some sort of interesting number. There's something you're loving about that image of collecting the tears. It's not creepy, though if you look at it one way, it might look a little bit creepy. But it's a loving act. It's as though he's storing them away and waiting for that time to comfort us for the tears that we've shed. It'd be like a perfect parent caring about when his child cries. It's one of the weirdest things being a parent, watching your child cry in pain or or in anguish. He's saying that every nasty word that's been said that caused you to cry, every thump in the schoolyard, God knows about and cares as a loving parent. You see that also it says that he's kept count of our tossings. God knows how many times you've turned over in bed last night. The picture there is of of a sleepless night when you've just got that thing on your mind, you're scared of something, and it just stops you from sleeping. God knows about each of those nights. He even knows how many times you turned over in bed. Even I don't know that on those nights. Perhaps your spouse does, <laughs> if you're married. You know, oh, can you believe it? It's turned over 17 times uh, tonight. But God doesn't just, again, count the number. It's that God cares about those things. God cares about those sleepless nights. He cares for us that we've had those times. Because the psalm also tells us something amazing, doesn't it? It tells us that God is for us. Do you see that verse 9? The end of verse 9. This I know, that God is for me. God is for me. If you think about it, that's a huge statement, isn't it? We sung about it in the first song. Be still, the Lord is on your side. Now, I've heard people say in the past that God can never be for you. You can only ever be for God. God's never on your side. You're always just on his side. But that's not what the passage says, is it? David can make this amazing statement. God is for me. And I think of all the truths in the Christian life, that can be one of the hardest ones to get our head round. We're so prone to disbelieve that God is for us, that he's on our side, that he's championing championing our cause. He's not working for our harm. He's working for our good. As that old hymn goes behind a frowning providence, he hides a smiling face. If you're trusting in Christ this morning, God is for you. He cares for you. Paul says much the same in Romans. Again, this is on the back of your sheets. Romans 8.31 What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, Who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Do you see here it's saying that God is for us. And he's given up the most precious thing for us. Will he then turn his back on us and work for our harm? 
No, God is for us. His pledge is the very death of his own precious son. So again, we see that there are some amazing truths linked to that. We can call on him. We see that there um, in the psalm. I will call to him. In our hour of fear, we can cry out to God and he will hear us. As a father hears the cries of his children, so God hears our cries. It sort of harks back to the Exodus a bit, if you think about it. The children of Israel there in, in oppression, in fear of the Egyptians, and they cry out to God. And God hears them. People in distress call to God, and he hears. And then we're told in that time, our enemies will turn back, verse 9. Then my enemies will turn back in the day when I call. God will act. God will cast them down, verse 7. For their crime will they escape in their wrath. Cast down the peoples, O God. Again, think about David, the context that we've got. It's the Philistines, really, that he's talking about here. David, effectively, though, doesn't just ask God to cast down the Philistines. He asks God to cast down the world. Yet even that isn't too much for God, who can stop the planet spinning, who wakes up the sun every morning, figuratively speaking. David is scared of the king of the Philistines. But what is the king of the Philistines compared to God? More of that in a minute. And what do we do in response to this great God? Well, have a look at verse 12. I must perform my vows to you, O God. I will render thank offerings to you. We, in response, do what we've promised to God. We pledge to live for him. We must. We pledge to honour him. We must. We pledge to turn from our sin. We must. And he also brings thank offerings to God, doesn't he? We mentioned last week that that maps over in the New Testament to offering our bodies as living sacrifices to God. Romans 12, verse 1, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. In response, we live lives that are faithful to him, in faithful service to him. But it's not just a duty, is it? It's not just a stoic faith. Do you notice here that David doesn't just trust. He praises as well. But he praises his word. Do you see that there in verse 4? In God, whose word I praise. In God I trust, I shall not be afraid. And then the same phrase again in verse 10. In God, whose word I praise. I think if I was writing this psalm, I would have expected it to be uh, God. I praise, rather than God's word I praise. If you're writing it, it would seem to sort of make more sense. There's no mention of God's word, the Bible, in the rest of the psalm. But I don't think those things are so far away, are they? Can we really praise God without praising his word? Imagine in a relationship with someone else. So someone says to you, oh, I love that guy. I just detest everything he says. It just wouldn't work, would it? Or I love that guy, but... As to what he actually says, well, you can take it or leave it. Or, you know, oh, I love that guy, but I'm going to ignore everything he says. Actually, if you love someone, you love their word, don't you? It doesn't make sense to detach those two things from each other. If we say that we love God and we don't love his word, then really we don't love God, do we? 
And that doesn't make, him, make us Bible orators, if you like. It makes us Christians. If we're to say with David, I trust God, then we must say with David, in whose word I praise. If we don't trust his word, if we don't praise his word, if we don't believe his word, then the God that we trust in is one of our own imagination, isn't it? One that we make up. A God who has neither power to save or love towards us. But our God is not the God of our imagination. He is the God of his word. He's the God that we've just been describing. The Lord, as verse 10 puts it, which is very rare in this section of Psalms, if you think, all the way through it's been God, 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 then the Lord, the God of his people. And why would you want to make up a God of your own anyway, when we have such a God who cares for us? We praise him, we praise his word, our wonderful, caring God for who he is. So that's the first reason. Because of who God is, we have no reason to fear. But then the second reason is what can man do to me? What can man do to me? The focus here shifts from God to people. What can man, what can flesh do? I don't know about you, but as I read this psalm, you sort of pause for a second and think, hang on, David. Haven't you just told us what man can do? Have a look at verses 1 and 2. Be gracious to me, O God, for man tramples on me. All day long an attacker oppresses me. My enemies trample on me all day long, for many attack me proudly. That's what they can do, David, isn't it? They can trample on us. They can oppress us. They can attack us. Yes, they can. David admits so in the psalm. But that's all they can do. Matthew 10 verse 28 puts this really well uh, from the mouth of Jesus. And do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Or to roughly paraphrase Braveheart and the, the, the song that we just sung before, they may take our lives, they may take our possessions, they may take our families, they may even take our freedom. But they can never take our souls. No man can do that. Only God can do that. So in the ultimate scheme of things, in the big picture of history, the universe and everything, what can they do? They can't destroy us, ultimately. Only God can do that and he is the one we're trusting in. He is on our side. Man can't destroy us. But also, man can't save us either. Have a look at verse 13. For you, this is speaking to God, have delivered my soul from death. Yes, my feet from falling, that I may walk before God in the light of life. Only God can ultimately save us. So when we are afraid, we need to turn to God, not to man. Because God is the rescuer par excellence. God, our redeemer. God who causes us to walk in the light of life, not the fear of death. And again, isn't that just what the Lord Jesus said? John chapter 8, verse 12. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. You see, if we're trusting in God, if we're trusting in the Lord Jesus, we have no need to walk in darkness if Jesus is our light. We have no fear, no need to walk in fear if Jesus is our Lord. 
We have no need to fear if Jesus is for us. Man can't save us. Man can't damn us. Only actually Jesus, in the scheme of things, counts in our life. What can man do to me? Ultimately, nothing. So what are we afraid of? You know, it's okay to be afraid. It's an emotion that we experience. But we need to remember who to turn to when we're afraid. We need to remember that we have no need to fear because our God cares for us. All of our tears of sadness, all of our tossings and turnings are numbered, are remembered by God. We need to remember that ultimately man can do nothing to us. Neither can death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor present, nor past, nor things to come, nor powers, nor heights, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation. As it says in Romans. Nothing can undo what God has done for us. So this morning, this week, as we face things that will scare us, as we face the future, as we face things in the past, as we face people, what have we to fear? Well, if we're trusting in God, nothing. I shall not be afraid. In God I trust whose word I praise. What can men do to me? Let's pray.